birthday? You want to watch some TV or something? Skip it. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Nothing but foul language and toilet humor. I'm disgusted and repulsed and and I can't look away. I need these things! I need these things! No way, no way, Jose. <laughs> this just in, go to hell. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Stop it, 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 stop it. Stop it. Hello, friends and listeners. You have Watch Skip Plus in your ears. We are a movie review podcast with a lifestyle twist. That twist being that each week before we review a new theatrical or streaming movie, hopefully something that you want to see and listen to, we, each one of us, either the hosts and a guest, have a plus, and that plus can literally be anything. We have talked about toilet paper, video games, <laughs> belts, I think uh, I brought up tongue scraping last week. As always, I am joined by uh, my co-host, the cinemasochist Justin the Red. I am Cupcake, also known as Machine Gun Jelly. And Justin, now Daddy Doom after yesterday. And Daddy Doom. <laughs> yes. Justin, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Uh, you know, it's one of our early morning recordings, but that somehow has not stopped me from singing. So I'm just a weird guy. <laughs> I just yeah. always am singing. Yeah. To peek behind the curtain, as you say, we moved our recordings kind of to the mornings. And I think it. we definitely sound different in the morning than we do when we if we record at, say, 8 or like 5 or something like that. Or, three. or even anyway. like 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah, like or even 2 I have more sugar in me by 2 p.m. I think that's what I noticed. Exactly. Uh, we are actually joined by a surprise guest. This was uh, very last minute he's jumping on. But we have Sammy from uh, one of our Pod Father podcasts, The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Sammy, how are you doing? I am doing great. How are you guys Excellent. doing? Excellent. Good. Good, good to have you on. You were... As we had plussed during our uh, massive Dungeons and Dragons episode, you had been down uh, here or up here to see us. I never get that right. Up, down, whatever. I always say down. I, you, even <laughs> if I know it's up, it just sounds well, you're right. Coming, to, yeah, but you're coming from up, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I am. So in this case, but, yeah. but I'm I think from now down. on, <laughs> yes. I think from now on, I'll just say up. But you were up to see us. Um, yes, yes. Unfortunately, how, I couldn't get back up there for the uh, the latest festivities with uh, our good friend Randy, our mutual friend Randy. Yeah, I yes. also did not make it up. So, yeah. but hence the reason why I moved the start time for this yeah. recording. Um, <laughs> it it was a blast. Uh, we were we were over at Troy's. Uh, our good friend Randy, um, who is. Uh, also on the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema and many Facebook pages as well. He uh, celebrated a birthday, and we went over to Troy's. We were we got food from something called the... It's not the Olive Garden. Shoot. It's called the Olive... Um, tree. Tree. Yes. The Olive Tree. Fantastic food. It was um, good. I've, I've had that. I had that one uh, times I went up there. It is really good. Yeah. 
Korean Rambo was there. He and his uh, his son had made uh, <laughs> yes. uh, dumplings and this oh, amazing yeah. sauce. And then we were treated to Randy's pick of uh, Alex Winter's directorial debut, Freaked. Yes, which yeah. so good. I had n- I had never seen. Troy had never seen. Really, and Troy. Wow. So you know how like if you put on Hot Shots Part Duh and like. Yeah. Um, Troy just like laughs like crazy and his head explodes. This was very close to that. He he had never seen this and he enjoyed it immensely. It may yeah. show up. Well, like Breaking Brad or not a bomb. <laughs> if anyone is is curious, the Mahoning Drive-In is actually th- showing a thirty five millimeter print of that at the end of April as their halfway to Halloween thing. I almost was going to go, but I have something Stop. else coming up. But I had thought of it because uh, I'm a very big fan of Freaked. I think Randy was the one that introduced it to me uh, yeah. years ago. Somebody in the group because I had just never you know, seen it because kind of went under the radar when it came out. And yeah, it's very funny. The it's, soft uh, puppet gets me every time. Yeah, it's oh uh, my god. <laughs> it's an odd it's an odd film. It's uh even though when it was made, they knew it was odd, it's even more odd as time has gone on. Mm. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> um what is the phrase we use? Choices were made. <laughs> Most definitely. Um all right, so on today's episode we are rep- uh, we are reviewing Director Chris McKay's Renfield, which uh, is sort of a high concept twist on the Dracula mythology. Before that, we do have some pluses, and I I will start with Justin. Okay, and then All we'll right. go to Sammy. <laughs> All right, I like this. Throw, throwing a kink in there. All right, so my plus is actually related to that trip that we all had a couple of weeks ago to Troy's because we were talking about how we catalog our movie collections. And I had been using what I thought was what you were all using, uh, Blu-ray.com's like movies app. But I had an outdated version, or I don't know if it was from them. So you guys had recommended my movies Pro 4, which was like nowadays is like 15 bucks. But I'm going to tell you, it was a great 15 bucks to spend because – you can scan everything, all of your Blu-rays, your DVDs. You can even add like VHS tapes, which I decided I'm not going to do. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, and you can also befriend people. So I'm friends with Sammy, uh, Jose, Troy. I know Brad kind of gave up on scanning, but I still threw him as a fr- uh, friend just to kind of compare <laughs> notes. And I've got to say, going through this, it helped me catalog uh, my DVDs because I didn't think I had as many, but I still have a whole bunch, like boxes upon boxes. So. I had been putting them into the big like CD label holders to save space. But uh, yeah, I'm already at over 2000 titles uh, on Blu-ray DVD, which was more than I thought. Um, Wow. Impressive. Yeah. A lot of that DVDs, which I did not realize I still had some of those, but oh, and a couple of laser discs and HD DVDs thrown in just because if I find those in the wild, I'll usually pick them up. But yeah, in the wild. That's I how. I, that's how I. That's how I like to refer to my uh, my thrifting. That's why I found your new nickname of Daddy Doom. So if you're wondering where that came from, yesterday before work, I hit up a local thrift store and they had a Doctor Doom toy. The way it was sitting, it looked like he was ready to get a lap dance. So when I sent that to to Jose, he's like Daddy, and I'm like, Yeah, Daddy yeah. Doom, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh. That's so. that Daddy Doom jelly. Daddy Doom, yeah. ooh, Daddy Doom <laughs> Jelly, I like it. 
Mm-hmm. All right, stop, stop the nickname creativity. <laughs> yeah. I like Jose a couple of weeks ago when he said, "Yeah, maybe if we do the morning recordings, we won't be as weird." Yeah, that's that. Yeah, we're mm. always weird, dude. No, that, that's, <laughs> that's been that, debunked. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's uh, as they say in the genes, literally and figuratively. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Sammy, do you do you have a plus? I know you jumped on at the last second, so we'll forgive you if if you don't. <laughs> no, I do. I do. I came back to podcasting full time last week for my show, and I've been doing podcasting off and on and stuff. And I just want to remind folks what a what a great tool podcasting is for communication and sharing things with people. I don't think that's said enough. I know some people get into it for numerous reasons. Uh, maybe some just even get into it just to hear themselves speak. But the truth is I got into it because I always wanted to share my passion for things. And it's opened up my whole life, my whole world, and created this kind of extended family that is irreplaceable. Is that a word? Irreplaceable? I think it is. Yeah. Um, I always get it confused with irregardless, which is not a word. And <laughs> it's one of Scooter's favorite words. And every time I'm like, don't say it. Yeah. You don't need the ear part. <laughs> hey, you don't need that. But... It, it, it's it's just a reminder of, you know, the communities we build, the friendships we make, and in some cases, the families we create uh, is, is pretty powerful. And uh, it's, 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 it's heartwarming in a lot of ways to be able to do this. And uh, I know it's, it's nothing fancy. Nobody pays us to do this. Nothing. We do this all on our own. But uh, it has its share of rewards that are kind of unexplainable unless you do it. And I just, I, I, I've reaped those rewards all the time. And, uh, that's basically my plus. So. Oh yeah. I, uh, you, you know, you, you mentioned this on your return episode to the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema. And obviously we won't get into all of that. If you want to hear what, uh, Sammy said on that episode, it's the Dunwich horror episode, which I listened to. And, um, I'm ready to see Gidget naked, okay? But um, <laughs> <laughs> I've always but, been ready for that. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that Red and I started this as well. Was you know there had been this wonderful podcast community and this community that we had built around the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, and we found each other like an extended family in some ways, and we went from voices, dis- disembodied voices over the air to meeting in person, getting to know each other. And then now we're hanging out at Troy's or we're making plans to go to Whorehound, things like that. And it's, it's just, it's that connectedness, which is so wonderful. And I, I think something that, you know, Red and I are trying to foster as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the community and our pod role and, you know, guesting on Not a Bomb and all of that. So yeah, you, you're right. It's, it's just connecting and sharing passions it's a wonderful thing it is it is and uh, you know it's a great thing to to dig to guest on other people's shows to have people on our show which is not always as easy because we have a really weird schedule as well sometimes but just so happens your guys schedule is kind of similar to our schedule now so uh, yeah I, I, I last night I, my son wanted to go see renfield and i was like wait a minute i think they're doing renfield i might be able to time this just right so that's why i reached yeah. out to you <laughs> yeah, no, perfect, perfect. Okay, so for uh, my plus, there's been a long history and tradition of taking cultural folk heroes and building movies around them. So specifically, 
Um, although I can't really think of many on the, off the top of my head, but specifically I'm thinking about like the Wong Fei Hong films, of which there are many. Um, there are many Chinese actors who have portrayed this cultural hero, Wong Fei Hong. And so one cultural hero that I had discovered is Father Gabriel Amorth, who is the chief exorcist of the Vatican. And unfortunately, he passed away in 2016. There is a amazing and kind of scary documentary called The Devil and Father Amorth, which was directed by William Friedkin, who obviously mm-hmm. directed The Exorcist. Father Amorth was Amort, maybe it's Amorte, Amorte, um, is the Italian pronunciation. Um, Father Amorth likely was the inspiration for uh, Father Marin. And Father Amort has now joined this pantheon of films, uh, of cultural heroes who have, they have made films from. And so I am talking about The Pope's Exorcist, directed by Julius Avery, who gave us the kind of fantastic and kind of amazing Samaritan, starring <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. But this film, The Pope's Exorcist, uh, premiered the same weekend as Renfield, and this probably should have been a uh, watch-skip singular, but I'm just going to plus it here. Directed by Julius Avery, it's written by Michael Petroni, who also wrote The Right, starring Anthony Hopkins, another uh, sort of like exorcism-themed film based on a novel about priests who go to the Vatican to study um, exorcism. And I believe it's a nonfiction novel, or I I want to believe it's a nonfiction novel. I've read it. It's fantastic. And then it's also written by Evan Speleotopoulos, (laughs) who... I love that name. (laughs) Yes, who has also written and directed uh, a film called The Unholy, which also... Is a it's a surprise sort of like sleeper horror film, uh, but he also has been credited with writing uh, Hercules, Huntsman, Winter Winter War, Snake Eyes, and he has a story credit for. Wait for it, Elizabeth Banks' Charlie's Angels. Oh, okay. Which <laughs> I was like, is it that or is it an Adam Wingard film? I was trying to which Justin which still one. has not seen. Anyway, so this this movie stars <laughs> Russell Crowe. As Father Amort, so he literally plays Father Amort, and there is a possession of a young Spanish child, a 10-year-old, and he goes to try to uh, sort of exercise this child, and then there's uh, shenanigans and chaos, and supernatural uh, adventure ensues. And so I had a blast with this movie. You know, if I think... When you see a film like this about exorcism, it, you are always going to go back to The Exorcist. I, I think you just cannot get away from the shadow of that sort of seminal film just from a pop, pop culture impact. And literally, that was the first time most of us, I guess, learned about exorcism or saw a film about exorcism. And so there are things in this film that sort of obviously pay homage to that. But what I love about this film is that um, it is certainly not a biopic, okay? This is literally like like they're starting a franchise, uh, but it it goes bonkers, and Russell Crowe is just fantastic in this. We'll get to Nick Cage in this film, but similarly, Russell Crowe just looks like he is having a blast here, um, primarily because Father Amort was known for his humor, 
um, and saying, you know, quippy little things like the devil doesn't like jokes or starting exorcism by, by thumbing his nose at the devil and like sticking his tongue out. Um, and so they really went with it. And he, (laughs) he, it's very disarming that this, you know, the chief, chief exorcist of the Vatican is making all these crazy jokes and sarcasm and like, you know, the people that he jokes with. Uh, obviously, the family of this possessed child are like, who is this person? Why are you saying these things? Um, but it is absolutely fun. It's bonkers. It's a great movie. There are wonderful little touches like, you know, his character drives, I think it's a Vespa that has like a Ferrari sticker on it. And then every now and then you can see a peak of Russell Crowe's like bare legs but he's wearing like red socks it's really weird all these little weird touches he has a blast with the role and the movie is really fun i mean it's unfortunately it's not breaking any ground but think think of the exorcism i'm sorry the exorcist filtered through say the conjuring so you're gonna get your jump scares you're gonna get family dynamics possessions weird cinematography but it's just like pop culture fun and I desperately want a sequel. I, I literally was like, we need more Father of Morth movies. <laughs> you might get it because uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit, it's making about the same as Renfield did this weekend, but it was only made for like 18 million. Yeah. So it'll probably at least break even and maybe make a little bit of profit. So even if it's not theatrical, I could see them keep doing these as opposed to Renfield costing, what was it, $65 million and then whatever marketing they put into that. Yeah. Uh, I will say, when I heard the title of The Pope's Exorcist, I didn't know what it was about. I thought the Pope was possessed and he needed to have an exorcist. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'll watch that. So I will admit, I was disappointed once I found out, oh, it's just The Pope's hired exorcist, which, if I'm correct, doesn't Franco Nero play the Pope in this? The yes, so Frank, Franco Nero is in this, as well as uh, a very a very adorable actor, Daniel Zavato, who was uh, from the Walking Dead series as well. Um, but it's just, it, it's, it's fun. It actually follows, ver- rather strangely, the plot of, there was a movie called Pray for the Devil that came out that was ugh, miserable. Um, but it has a similar like climax and without spoiling it, if you've ever seen the exorcist television show and how they tried to expand a sort of like supernatural conspiracy, if you will, that's where this movie goes. And it's, it's, it's so fun. I think in the box office, you're right. I think the exorcist topped, uh, Renfield. So uh, neck and neck. And I was actually thinking of doing a double of those two. Uh, but like their show times were kind of aligned, but weren't aligned with my schedule. So I was like, well, I can only get in Renfield, but I might, I might sneak into Pope's exorcist if I get time at all this week. Cause I've heard some, you're not the only one that said it's surprisingly fun and exorcism movies or possession movies are very hit and miss with me. Obviously you have the exorcist, which is fantastic. And the exorcist three, but a lot of them, especially recently, they just seem to go too over the top in like the body, like morphing and all that. But they almost want you to take it seriously. So the fact that you're saying they're throwing in humor might fare better with me. Um, So, I mean, I love Russell Crowe. So I was curious about it because of that. And then when I heard about Franco Nero, so I'm like, I'll I'll give it a shot. If this would have opened a week prior and was playing on Easter Sunday, I would have definitely squeezed in a showing before (laughs) going to my sister's just because what a perfect movie to watch on Easter, but happy Easter possession. Yeah, well, yeah, come on. That's what better way to, to celebrate Easter than with a Catholic exorcism? 
I also had a really bad nickname for this along the lines of like the Fable Jerks. I'm not going to say what it is, but so oh, you can't say, do that. You can't do that to us. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah, I I called it Fat Russell Crowe Exorcist movie, but uh, but <laughs> but this is listen. This is not body shaming because even in his current body state. Imminently bangable. I love you, Russell Crowe. I, Imminently I bangable. I love fat Russell Crowe, and <laughs> I don't mean that. I just, me just too. as a person, he seems happier. Like, I don't yes. know if it's just seemed, but like, he seems happier nowadays. Yeah. Or jolly, hey. as it were. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jolly would be a good word. The The truth is, it's a really weird dynamic that Renfield and The Pope's Exorcist came out on the same weekend, because mm-hmm. these are movies with actors who used to be top to top of the box office. And now they're in these, for lack of a better word, kind of B-movie uh, films. Uh, not full-on B-movie, but B-movie compared to what is released nowadays. Right. And honestly, I haven't seen The Pope's Exorcist, but every review I've read has said that Russell Crowe is amazing in the film. And it's just another example, like Unhinged. Unhinged is not a great movie, mm-hmm. but man, Russell Crowe is so good in Unhinged. Oh my God. Yes, it's especially that diner scene. That yeah. diner he scene was scared really the good. shit out of me in that movie. <laughs> yeah, he is always really good. Like, it's a great example of, and he's a different actor than Nick Cage, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But he is a great example, uh, like so many of these actors that we've come to love over the years, of just how good they really are, and how they can do so little sometimes, and just it's it's doing so much. Or in the case of Nick Cage, they can do so much, and <laughs> yes. maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's uh, enough for somebody, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that those both came out the same weekend. Yeah, and it's not really like I, I guess not really B movie, and not even really like direct to video stuff, but just these sort of like second tier films that aren't mm-hmm. you know they aren't what like Stallone is not who he used to be, right? He he yeah. premiered a he premiered a prime movie versus something in theaters. So yeah, but. But yeah, Crow's well, amazing. They, Everybody go call, and see this. Yeah, what they used to call those, and Roger Avery actually says this on the Tarantino Roger Avery podcast, the Video Archives podcast, they used to call those programmers. Yeah. Uh, films that were between the blockbuster and between the beat, the low, the low end movie. They'd have these movies that were kind of in between, and that's what these movies kind of remind me of. And maybe we're getting back to that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you I like keep that, those, programmers. Yeah, if you keep the budgets like around like 10 to 20 million, like, that's perfect to still throw out into a theater because you're, you know, unless it bombs horrifically, it's hard for those to bomb. You know, yeah. you can still make yeah, a yeah. decent profit in their good streaming titles. Like, it makes sense because we talked about that on the Dungeons & Dragons episode. The The biggest issue nowadays is they just spend so much money on all these movies. Even if they make decent amount of money, it's you spend so much that there's no way you're going to recoup that yeah. unless you become a gargantuan runaway success. Mm-hmm. Sure. I definitely think the Pope's Exorcist cost much less than Renfield to make. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so that brings us to Renfield, actually. Uh, So I will start with Below the Line. This is directed by Chris McKay. We actually mentioned Chris McKay on our Dungeons & Dragons episode because he had the story by credit for that film. He is most known for his work as a producer, writer, and director on animated shows like Robot Chicken and Moral Oral, which I still have not seen, but it sounds fantastic. It is. He has <laughs> he has directed the Lego Batman movie, Chris Pratt's prime movie, The Tomorrow War, 
and he is actually in production on Lego Batman 2 and is the attached director for Nightwing, which is obviously the Robin character uh, done with a different person. Um, and then uh, the Johnny Dick, Grown, uh, Dick Grayson grown up. It's Robin. Is it grown Dick Grayson grown up? Okay. Yeah. He, uh, Dick he, Grayson grown up and more violent. <laughs> yeah. He operates in a town across the way from Gotham called Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven. Oh, interesting. Love that name. Yeah. Uh, and he's attached to Johnny Quest, the long gestating adaptation of Johnny Quest. Our screenplay is by a gentleman named Ryan Ridley, who actually has voiceover acting credits in animated projects like Star Trek Below Decks, High on Life, uh, which is a video game, uh, Solar Opposites. He is a teleplay writer, screenplay for television, um, most known for comedy and animated shows, 25 episodes for Community, Rick and Morty, the short-lived Fox series Ghosted with Adam Scott and Craig Robinson, and Prime's Invincible, which is a great segue to the story by credit for this film. Story by credit is by Robert Kirkman, who is a kind of foxy Kentucky native. Shout out to all my Kentucky sexy men. Lexington, (laughs) Lexington, Kentucky native, yes. Yes. He is an American comic book writer and screenwriter responsible for the Image Comics series, Invincible, Outcast, and of course, the source of the Walking Dead television series. And he has been instrumental in launching those to the television series, Walking Dead, as well as Fear of the Walking Dead and all of its offshoots. And he also helped to launch Outcast, which was one of his comics, as a very well-regarded Cinemax show. Mm. And its pilot was directed by none other than, bingo, Adam Wingard. Uh, <laughs> and, he's done, yeah, and he's <laughs> done all of this through his production company, Skybound Entertainment. Incidentally, Kirkman is one of the founding fathers of Image Comics. One of those other, uh, I'm sorry, he's one of the five partners at Image Comics. Oh, yeah, he, he was not a founder. He's, he's, he's actually yeah. one of the few creators who kind of brought them back from the brink in a lot of ways. Yes. So he is not one of the founders, but one of the founders is Todd McFarlane, or stay in the McFarlane, if you will, <laughs> uh, who created Spawn and had written for um, for Spider-Man as well. Now, you stay in your McFarlane. Stay in your McFarlane, please. <laughs> I love it. Um, also, interestingly enough, he has a son, and get his son's name, Peter Parker Kirkman. Yeah. Which I think is adorable. Yeah. I think it's adorable. Um, our producers are Chris McKay and Robert Kirkman, alongside David Alpert, who gets the PGA credit, Production Guild of uh, of America, or Production Guild Association. Um, Alpert has also produced a number of Kirkman-related projects, mostly anything to do with The Walking Dead. Our music is by Marco Beltrami, noted genre composer. I'm looking at the Scream series, various Wes Craven movies, Underworld Evolution, World War Z, Del Del Toro's Hellboy. He's very prolific, very talented. This brings us to our director of photography, who's one of my absolute favorites, Mitchell Amundsen, also known as Mitch Amundsen. He studied film at Montana State and then eventually jettisoned the university studies to go and be a production assistant on Coppola's one from the heart. And since then he's worked up through the camera department. And again, one of my absolute favorite cinematographers, listen to these films. 
well, excepting The Country Bears, which is one of his first movies. <laughs> Maybe his best, no. <laughs> <laughs> but Transporter 2, Transformers, Wanted, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, Jonah Hex, Premium Rush, the remake of Red Dawn, Odd Thomas, Now You See Me, Chips, uh, The Happy Time Murders, which I will rep for because that was a fun effing movie. Um, and then he's done a lot of second unit work. Uh, and then the, obviously Renfield. His last film that he lends was Cheaper by the Dozen, which I would never have thought of as a Mitchell Amundsen movie. But there you go. At least he's got a varied resume. Our well, you know, production- the Country Bears was kind of like a bear version of Cheaper by the Dozen, so it made sense. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Our production designer is Alec Hammond. He actually has a fantastic eye. He has been the production designer for films like The Contender, Donnie Darko, Flight Plan, The Southland Tales, uh, The Box. So obviously he's worked with the director of Donnie Darko. What's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Richard Kelly? Yes, Richard Kelly. Got it. He's also been a production designer on Red, the TV series, Sleepy Hollow, uh, Snake Eyes, Lost in Space, the Netflix television series, and then obviously now uh, Renfield. He also was the production designer on Krypton, which is a pretty fantastic sci-fi show, which nobody saw, and it got canceled, but it was was great. Uh, A couple more shout-outs. One shout-out is to the stunt coordinator and fight coordinator. His name is Chris Brewster fantastic stunt guy. I mean, this guy, like Troy, wanted to be a Ninja Turtle or Jackie Chan when he was growing (laughs) up. And so he has competed in martial arts competitions. He also has a martial arts and gymnastics team called Sideswipe. I believe he goes by Ninja Brewster on Instagram, and his clips are always pretty fantastic. He is probably best known as the Captain America stunt double. Um, I believe he also doubled, uh, let me see, some of the guys in the Teen Wolf series. And he was the Matt Murdock Daredevil stunt double in Netflix's Daredevil, Daredevil and the Defenders. So he is working his way up in terms of stunt coordinating as well as fight coordinating and worked on films like Black Adam, Wolfpack, Uh, the True Lies series, and it looks like he is actually set to start directing films as well, Uh, joining, say, Sam Hargrave, who went on from stunt coordinating with 8711 and Atomic Blonde. That should be on our bingo card, 8711, if I ever mention them. Um, And then directing (laughs) Extraction for Netflix. Our last, My last shout-out is, in this film, there is a bodyguard who's also a stunt person. He's the bodyguard when he first walks into whatever the drug lords uh, yeah. thing is and he's standing on the he's standing on the stairs yeah. the gentleman's name is Derek see, yes your mom needs to see you in the basement <laughs> yes <laughs> oh man um but the gentleman's the gentleman's name is Derek Russo and the only reason why I'm giving him a shout out is because he did a lot of nude modeling back in the day and mm. that's how I first learned about Derek Russo Um, so surprised to see him as a stunt person and with his clothes on. So anyway, (laughs) uh, he's getting more roles. He's actually showing up in a lot of television shows that I'm seeing. And it was just a blast to sort of see him again with his clothes on in a movie, um, doing stunts as well. So yes. Anyway, (laughs) 
Red, I turn it over to you for Above the Line. All right. So in front of the camera, starring as the titular Renfield, is Nicholas Holt. Uh, would have started in films such as About a Boy. He was in The Weatherman, which also starred Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. The Clash of the Titans remake. He was the beast in the X-Men first class movies and the subsequent sequels. Bad Max Fury Road, Warm Bodies. The titular Jack and Jack the Giant Slayer played J.R.R. Tolkien in Tolkien uh, and was recently in films such as Those Who Wish Me Dead and The Menu, which we covered months back, starring as Count Dracula. And here we go. This is the hardest one for me to whittle down because, spoiler, Nicolas Cage is one of my favorite actors. (laughs) Nicolas Cage started in films such as Valley Girl, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Raising Arizona, Wild at Heart, Vampire's Kiss to keep with the vampire lore. Con Air, The Rock, Face Off, Leaving Las Vegas, which you won an Oscar for, Adaptation, Matchstick Men, The Family Man, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where he was Spider-Man Noir, Kick-Ass, National Treasure, Bringing Out the Dead, Willy's Wonderland, Pig, which is phenomenal, and under the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, another person that I actually quite love, uh, Aquafina, plays the cop in this, Rebecca. Uh, she's recently started in film. She was more a comedian and rapper, but she's appeared in films such as Ocean's 8, Crazy Rich Asians, The Farewell, which is excellent, Shang-Chi, Raya and the Last Dragon, The Bad Guys, Jumanji The Next Level, Neighbors 2, and has her own sort of biopic type comedy show on Comedy Central called Nora from Queens. Fantastic. Uh, Very funny. I do quite like that. Uh, (laughs) It it shows how much I like Aquafina that I actually watch that show because I'm terrible when it comes to watching shows. Uh, Playing Tedward Lobo, which I love that name, is Ben (laughs) Schwartz. uh, Most known recently as doing the voice of Sonic in the two Sonic the Hedgehog films. He also does a bunch of voice work under his belt. Uh, I just put bunch of voice work because I didn't want to be here all day for that. <laughs> yes. In front of the camera, though, you would have seen him in comedies such as The Interview, Night School, and The Other Guys, and is more known for television work on series such as House of Lies and Parks and Recreation. See if I don't butcher this name. Oh, here we go. Shora Agdashlu as Bella Francesca Lobo, the mother That's of good. Tedward. I you got pulled it. that off. Yay. Uh, you would have seen her in films such as House of Sand and Fog, 20 Bucks, which I feel like we referenced a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we did. The, the Lake <laughs> House, X-Men The Last Stand, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, Star Trek Beyond, Run Sweet Run, and has appeared on series such as The Expanse, Grimm, and 24. By the way, she she has... The most distinctive voice as mm-hmm. like ever, I think. Uh, and I love her voice. She apparently has recorded like three audiobooks, um, but her voice is so unique and I love her voice. And I think she's also very gorgeous and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And her work yeah. in House of Sand and Fog is is what I think really put her on the map here domestically. I think and she got she, nominated for an Oscar for that. Um, she did. Almost positive like, she did. Yeah. I feel like she should have won for that, honestly. Um, but yeah, House of Sand and Fog, if you've not seen it, please do so. And then, you know, she's also on, is it The Expanse? She's fantastic yeah. on The Expanse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on that. That's right. Yeah. So playing Mark, who is the uh, a therapist or the group leader that you see in all the trailers, is Brandon Scott Jones. I wanted to give him a shout out because he hasn't done too much that I would have seen. He seemed to be up and coming, but he kind of stole the show for me in parts in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, recently starting in comedy such as Isn't It Romantic, Senior Year, as well as the drama, underrated drama, Can You Ever Forgive Me? 
but is most known for the Ghost series. And then one last shout out I will give to Adrian Martinez as a fellow officer of Aquafina's called Chris. He is a that guy kind of actor. Right away, I recognized him. You would have seen him as a character actor in films such as Kick-Ass, Cop Out, I Feel Pretty, The Taking of Pelham 123 remake, Casa de Mi Padre, Piranha 3DD, the Ben Stiller adaptation of Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Focus, Sisters, American Hustle, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, and he pops up in a ton of television series such as The Blacklist, every iteration of law and order Gotham <laughs> inside Amy Schumer and Stumptown, just to name a few. He has a lot of credits. Uh, again, you will recognize him right away. Uh, it was kind of a nice, pleasant surprise to see him. So I, f- I feel like he's on a television commercial where he's like yelling and there's a, there's a cheese block on his head. Does, does this sound uh, you might anybody? Be, am I, but, he, he does look like that person. It might be him. Could be. Yeah. Is that for like a, is that for cheese or like a football commercial? Because that sounds well, like a no, tailgate. So there, there's a there's a football it was a pro- State Farm commercial. A football performer. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I, football performer. That's a listen to me. Uh, I said football <laughs> performer. That's called an athlete. Yes. Sorry. So there, there is a pro athlete that's in this commercial, and he's like, oh, I love Wisconsin. He's got like the the cheese uh, block. Anyway, Aaron I will Rogers, never yeah. live down uh, football performer. Yeah. That's just now we know what a theater kid prefers to athletes as i prefer <laughs> performer that's so amazing that's awesome can i i, I want to mention a couple more names uh, yeah, go ahead. one Please. of the lawyers the lawyer that comes in to save teddy lobo that's caroline williams that's stretch from texas chainsaw massacre 2 you know what oh. so i leaned over to randy and i was like isn't that and he was like i don't know but yeah, yeah that look <laughs> yeah, that sounds like randy. i almost called her dj but that's not right she was yeah. a dj yeah she was a dj she played stretch um, William Ragsdale, who played Charlie in Fright Night, he's the priest uh, in the with the beard. Oh, um, I must have missed that because of the beard. Is yep. he the one that gets blown up? Yeah, he's the one that's in gets, the trailer, so that's not yeah, a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, he gets completely eviscerated. I didn't even realize that was him. Yeah, I know. It's hard to kind of tell, but I noticed the eyes. I saw him. I was like, oh, I think I know that guy. And then I have a new crush, uh, female-wise, in cinema, and that's the lady that plays Carla, Daniel LaBelle. She really okay. is my type, and uh, yeah. if you look at her, I mean, she is she is gorgeous, which is something you guys do on this show. Yes, yes. Well, I have to, I have to, but you know, be a part of that. She is amazing, and uh, definitely nice. we'll be watching her going forward. Well, well, if we're gonna do that, I we unsurprisingly we do that with Nicholas Holt. I also feel that way with Aquafina. But the reason I brought up friend Scott Thomas is I thought he was adorable in this, and I thought he was really cute. So he had, he had some of the best comedy bits, but. I want to throw this out there, too, just before we get started here. I want to remind I, – I don't know if I want to remind everybody, but I want to remind anybody close to our age, uh, Jose and I, that Nicolas Cage is only nine years older than me. That's <laughs> crazy. Yes. I sometimes have a hard time processing that. <laughs> well, yes. he kind of feels immortal in the sense that I yes. when you tell me he like when I think I was like, oh, yeah, he was a teen actor, early 20s and like the 80s. I'm like, I feel like he's been around longer. And I think some of that goes to a lot of his his love when you hear him talk about films and that is much older uh, than that. But he does seem like somebody who's just been around probably since the 40s and 50s. The dawn not, of man. <laughs> yeah, the dawn of man. Like, that's why he was in the Croods, I think. They were like, look, this, you've been here, right? You've seen this. You can voice and give us uh, actual yeah he, he just seems like he's been a part of movies for as long as i've loved movies 
Mm-hmm. Since we were young, cinnamon, 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 cinnamon toast crunch, cinnamon, and, <laughs> exactly. and together we together we have cinnabond. <laughs> Bravo, Bravo! I love that. I love. That. I always bring the dad joke humor. Don't worry. I love. Yeah, it. you do. Yeah, you do. But we uh, we adopted cinema, cinnamon, cinnamon as a cinnamon. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> so, uh, I guess uh, since you are the guest, Sammy, we will start with you. What are your spoiler-free thoughts on Renfield? All right, uh, spoiler-free. I gotta say, my son hit me up to go see this film, and I was not really feeling it, to be honest with you. Now, I had read. I still read reviews. Uh, I'm one of the people who still reads them. I still watch trailers. None of that stuff really affects my viewing whatsoever. And uh, like a lot of film fans of my generation, I love the written review. I love to read those. Uh, I've always loved reading those and uh, still do. And one of the things that caught my eye in the written reviews was this. I can't remember what the critic's name was, but that this movie doesn't deserve what Nicolas Cage pulls off in this movie. Now, I saw the film, and I have to say, the tone of this movie is similar to something like a less violent, like a well, like a more violent Bullet Train or Deadpool or something like that. Right? It's very over the top. It's completely bonkers. It's <laughs> more of an action comedy than it is anything. Mm-hmm. And I was incredibly entertained by this film and stunned at the people they got to be in this film. So I, I I didn't really track this movie that much. I just knew it as Nicolas Cage doing Dracula. That's going to be the selling point. That's all this movie's ever going to be. It's just going to be Nick Cage's Dracula movie. I didn't know because I didn't really watch trailers or anything else for it because I said I didn't really care. I didn't really know they were selling this as it's it's a Nicholas Holt movie is what it is. Um, but it's also like a just kind of a showpiece again for Chris McKay who honestly I think is a really talented director when it comes to action. My son and I both really enjoyed the tomorrow war, which is actually getting a physical media release. And we both really liked that film. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's not an amazing film, but the action is really, really good in that film. And a lot of people didn't see it. And of course I love the Lego Batman movie, but that's just because I love, uh, what's his name's Batman? He's probably my favorite Batman. What is it? What is that actor? Uh, Will Arnett. Yeah. yeah uh, that honestly <laughs> has the biggest laugh I've ever had in a theater when I took my nephews to see it. When he goes, uh, you know, the kids call me Dick. Yeah, kids can be cruel. Yeah. I have never laughed as hard oh. in a the theater. I did that joke. <laughs> oh man, my my nephews looked at me weird. <laughs> yeah, his Batman. His Batman voice has quickly become my favorite Batman voice because it's just, it's like the Christian Bale. It's like a parody of the Christian Bale voice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alfred. What are you doing, Alfred? <laughs> like really, really out there. So, um, I went into this thing with hesitation, so to speak. I guess that would be the best way to put it. And I have to say, I was incredibly entertained. I thought the movie had style. I thought the film was actually, I thought it was funny. And so did my son. Uh, Not as many people in the theater we saw with. There was probably 20, 30 people in there. They didn't laugh as much. Hmm. But some of the stuff Nick Cage does in here is comedic gold. I mean, it's some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen him do. When he's sitting at the table in the apartment and Redfield's <laughs> trying to explain himself, 
And he's like, hmm, okay, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's doing those little moments. I was laughing so hard, I couldn't even control myself. <laughs> and I love that great, scene. Yeah, and there's a great moment with the foot, too, that is like one of the most deadpan <laughs> deliveries. I'm not going to give away, and not in this section anyway. Um, but it is so it is so funny. And I had such a good time. And I wanted it to be grotesque and over the top. And I didn't know it was going to be. And was pleasantly surprised when it was. Now, some of the special effects are a little bit dodgy here and there. But and you have to kind of get into this world of Nicholas Holt's character is hardly ever covered in blood, which would be impossible considering the <laughs> amount of blood. This, I mean, we're, we're this is not a spoiler. I mean, this movie is... It's ultra gory, right? I mean, it it's as gory as any film I can think of over the last five years. I mean, it's a, it's up there. Um, it's computer gore for the most part, but it's still very gory. But there's also a nice kind of dedication to to practical effects here. Um, a great joke with uh, the uh, a crispy Nick Cage. Uh, <laughs> A great uh, recuperating makeup. I, I really loved that recuperating makeup. Yeah. I thought it was grotesque and interesting and also led to some very funny moments from Nick Cage. <laughs> but, I mean, I just found the movie incredibly entertaining and funny, and it reminded me of these these Hitman movies we get. And, and Bullet Train is the first thing that comes to mind because that was the last one I saw like that. But these kind of Hitman movies we get where they choose the violence – and they choose to do it comedically so they can almost get away with more violence. Now, Bullet Train isn't ultra-violent, but it is violent. Uh, and to a lesser degree, I think, than this movie. I think I like this movie more than I did Bullet Train. Bullet Train looks really nice, but I I think I like this one more. But they got kind of the same vibe in some ways, except, you know, minus plus the gore, plus minus, hey, watch Skip. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, there's just elements of this film that I really enjoyed. I, I got to say, everybody's really good in the movie. Aquafina, I really like her. She's she's great with her delivery of jokes. Her timing is always great. Her voice is amazing. She's got a great, unique voice, raspy, and I love that and all that stuff. But I got to say, she's got to get past the the pursing the bottom lip and raising the chin up face that she makes in movies. Yeah, you know, she's got to get away from that because she does that so much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she she's got to get away from that a little bit. But she's really funny in this movie as well. Uh, the, 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 uh, the repeated, uh, joke, I think it's two or three times the, uh, the fuck you Kyle joke, uh, yes. uh I just think, you know, this movie, I, I think it's going to be a cult movie for years to come. I just think it's a fun, goofy, silly movie with oddly my biggest surprise of fantastic Nick Cage Dracula performance that I did not expect at all. And I don't know if you guys, we actually talked about this this morning. As we're recording this, I've already recorded our show for this week. I don't know. I'd never thought Nick Cage resembled Bela Lugosi in any way. But when they put the two characters in the universal uh, scenes, I was kind of stunned at how much Bella I got out of Nick Cage's face. Yeah. Especially that really long away shot where he's standing on top of the stairs. Like yeah. I almost thought it was just a clip from Dracula, not actually superimposing the cage into it. Yes. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I, I Landon did as well. He was kind of confused at first when we walked out. I asked him what he thought and he was kind of like, eh, uh. 
And then he, as he talked about it, he, we just kind of laughed and joked about it. And I think he had a really good time. And the action is, I mean, the fight scenes are, they're chaotic. But, um, and again, this movie is, and I want to make sure I say this, this movie is in no way perfect. In no way is it an amazing film. But I think it has a lot of energy and youth to it and a little punch. And I needed that. I do think it's a little, I know I say this all the time, but even in 93 minutes, some of it is a little much. Honestly, I I do think that, um, uh, what's his name? Ben Schwartz is good in this movie, but his tough guy acting is pretty brutal for me. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't quite work. If that makes I sense. I think it's supposed to be that way, actually. Yeah. Like, he's not the tough guy, right? Yeah, that's how I so, took it. But, yeah. I, but I'm going to, without tipping my hand too much to my thoughts, I will agree with Sammy that I did think, even if it's meant to be brutal, it just it became hard to watch, not in a fun way, like laughing at it was just kind of, well, I'll use a wrestling term. Here we go. So there's a go. Oh, there's, bingo. Two there's two different kinds of heat in wrestling. And that's as a heel <laughs> the heat that you want to get where you want people to boo you, but you, you want people to come pay to see you lose. And then there's go away heat or what for a little while got called X-Pac heat where people just don't care yeah. about you at that point. Like Baron Corbin had this for the longest time. I feel uh-huh. like, where it's, I don't care to see you win or lose. I just don't care that you're here. I'm going to go do something else now. That's not the kind of heat you want. And I think, unfortunately for me, that's kind of where the the faux bad guy-ness with Ben Schwartz kind of hit. But I'll get to that more yeah. <laughs> later. Wait, did, you, did you say X-Pocket? Heat X Pac X Pac was a wrestler because he yeah. used to. So when he was oh. he used to be one, two, three kid in the WWF, then he went to uh WCW and joined up in the NWO. He was six because he was the sixth member of the NWO. So when oh. he went back to WWF to be part of Degeneration X, they called him X Pac, uh, because X six, I can I thought it was like Latin EX space POC, no, and I'm like, it's hmm. X dash because he's also in DX PAC, so Pac or Pac. Sammy, you were going to say. I think that's ridiculous, by the way. (laughs) Welcome to wrestling. It's all ridiculous. Welcome to wrestling. So much so that they had Russell Crowe as Father Amort introduce Hell in a Cell, this year's WrestleMania, and the weirdest cross promotion you will ever see. Pretty weird. Stop. No, no, pretty weird. I couldn't believe I saw Russell Crowe on WrestleMania. Did he come Uh, out in like a priest uniform? No, that was a pre-tape. Yeah. And Sammy. (laughs) Yeah, the Ben Schwartz, the Ben Schwartz thing could have worked if there'd have been less Ben Schwartz. Now, don't get me wrong; he has a few really good moments in the film, but I don't think you needed as much of him as you got in the movie. And and saying that, he kind of wore thin on me, and kind of became that weird, that weird level of almost um, obnoxious. That yeah, kind of grated on my nerves a little bit. He was very loud and very boisterous and stuff and don't get me wrong the moments that he has that are good are really good and his uh well i won't talk about it in this section but the payoff with him is really funny and amazing and also an homage to something that uh i think we all if as cinema lovers we may know but um he of all the actors in the film he probably drove me the most crazy (laughs) but i I just think that i I don't want to say that's him i think they just i think they just put too much of him in the movie i think he's good for what he does i just think the joke wears thin after a while 
Um, and that, that was the problem I had. But I also agree with Justin, the Brandon Scott Jones character, the kind of leader of the group therapy thing. He is very good. He has little moments that are just really good. And one of them is in the trailer, so I can say it here. And it's the, uh, why would you say it like, like that? that. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's, I, just, it's really good comedy. What I love about his comedy in that scene and what sold me in the trailer is just how enthusiastic he seems about that. And when you see it in the movie full fledged, like there's this running gag where he keeps cutting somebody else off, but like there's, there's this puppy dog nature that he has with especially Renfield, but all of the people like you truly, he, he wants to see everyone built up. So the way he says it is so funny because it's so adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to go the ahead. girl that keeps getting cut off. I thought she was super cute. I liked yeah. her a lot. <laughs> she was good too. And she had a really good moment too. Can I get yeah. just, not just get through one, <laughs> one, one story. And even, even the girl that does the, uh, the bad boyfriend thing in the beginning, Bess Rose, uh, Bess Roos. Uh, I don't know yes. how you say her name, Bruce. She, you know, well, yeah, with the boyfriend who still likes ska. And they're like, oh yeah. man, is that the stuff with all the horns? Yeah. The, the ska that. running gag was very uh, broad. It made I was just me laugh. Yeah. Every time, yeah, <laughs> especially even, the graffiti. Yeah, but even graffiti. that little moment and her and, and and I think the film honestly is really good. I mean, there's a comeuppance with her character too, a full circle where you see her and the Carla character, the lady that I told you that I found the where they're celebrating with margaritas and stuff because the the sky guys are missing and they're they're, ex, they're bad ex boyfriends. It's just little jokes like that that I just find really funny. And I want to mention Camille Chin too, who plays the FBI agent. Yes, uh, sister. Uh, she's a very attractive lady, and I really like her as well. She doesn't really get a whole lot in this movie. She gets a few moments, but um, I really liked her in the film as well. And even the guy that played Bob, the guy with the beard and everything else, I thought he had a few good moments. I think as if as any good action comedy horror hybrid can do, I think that Chris McKay takes the time to give everybody little moments, and I don't think that can be downplayed because. This is a movie with one of our biggest actors of all time. And when I say big, if you know anything about Nicolas Cage's career, you know that he completely fills a room when he's acting. Mm -hmm. And uh, to give these actors, all these actors, little moments uh, is is a lot of fun. And honestly, I'm looking through the cast and almost everybody in here has a moment. Even the guy that plays Weird Kevin has a moment. Yes. So and actually, Chris... Uh Chris Cook was in Doggy Dog with Nick Cage, the Paul Schrader movie. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Which I, st I yeah. still haven't seen, by the way. Neither have I, but I do own it on blue. <laughs> yeah. I own it well, as well. So you you know how I feel about Paul Schrader, so <laughs> it's in the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I'll kick it over to you guys for non-spoiler talk. Thank you, okay. Sammy. Justin. All right, so I uh, was the opposite of Sammy. I this was on my radar. I'd seen the trailer, and I even heard the the concept being pitched last year because I follow Aquafina on Instagram, one of the few people in the industry I do follow. So I was very excited when I heard the concept. I uh, was very much looking forward to this, and I've got to be honest, I actually ended up being disappointed. I do agree there are moments. Uh, I think there are moments of broad comedy, like the Scott stuff that makes me laugh. Loved Nicolas Cage. I like the entire cast i think they're all fine i feel the biggest issue and they unless the second trailer showed this i didn't see it that was kind of hidden and i know why it's here but i think it hurt the film overall was the drug subplot so we, we mentioned ben schwartz as the tough guy uh the, the big running theme here is that there's this underground drug ring run by uh the the lobo family and renfield unintentionally gets 
caught up in all this because what he is trying to do, and I thought this was clever, was since he is going through this his version of a midlife crisis, I guess if you could say, considering how old he is, feeling guilt over you know taking innocent lives, uh, helping Dracula. The, one of the reasons he's going to these support groups is he's tracking down the people that are making their lives miserable. So we mentioned the girl who has the abusive boyfriend, so to speak. He'll hunt those people down to give to Dracula. And there's a very funny payoff that we can get to in the spoiler section with that. And unintentionally, that's how he gets involved in the drug uh, biz. And that's how he ends up meeting up with Aquafina, who is a cop who... Uh, is the daughter of a very pop, you know, famous cop, but can't live up to that reputation because she can't keep her anger in check. She gets small duty. She believes that the drug cartel has the office in their pocket because every time she goes to bust Ben Schwartz, he somehow gets off. I get why this is here. It's kind of clever in a way that they're bringing all of these, you know, characters coming together, finding them so, true selves to, to break out from these toxic relationships. But I found all of the drug stuff to not just really be tiring, but I feel like the humor didn't really come out as much in those moments. And since it plays a big part, and even though I liked Ben Schwartz, the humor from those angles wore thin very quickly. Even the police stuff. I love the fuck you, Kyle. Everything else kind of fell flat. I love Aquafina. I actually think she was miscast here. I, I think she was... And maybe this is more of the direction of her, but I feel like they made her go a little bit too over the top, which is saying something in this kind of a movie. <laughs> but I, I feel like it almost her stuff almost felt like it was in its own movie that kind of got wedged into this one as opposed to the oh. two ever really coming together. And I think that hurt not really just the pacing and the structure, but a lot of the humor for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually so obviously I'm disappointed there wasn't more Nicolas Cage, so to speak. I wasn't surprised with the amount that we get from him because I knew just from the title and some of the trailers that he's almost going to be supporting. But yeah, Sammy's right. The best moments in this movie are him and him and Nicholas Holt. That scene in the apartment had me howling. Uh, like Sammy said, just mm-hmm, really because how he's making fun of him, but also playing into, you know, the how they're saying how a narcissist acts and he even tries to bring out the book. It is so funny, but you also <laughs> understand why he would have, even without his backstory, why he would stick with Dracula for so long, because at that point he's a little bit over the top with it in Nicolas Cage's way. But you could see in like flashbacks how he is manipulative to the sense where even I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll serve you. Like, I'll do, sure, you want some, uh, you know, want some uh, bus full of children and nuns? I'll make it happen, Drac, you know. And I did love the makeup. The, the The effects are pretty dodgy in that regard, but the the set design and the makeup is tremendous. The makeup on him, like having to rebuild himself back up, is fantastic. I yeah. love the layer he has in this abandoned hospital, and you see all of like the the old like HMO bags where they, have, yeah. you know, the, uh, the set design cannot be. Uh, maybe I didn't talk about it enough, but it cannot be. I mean, the, the set design was amazing. I was yeah. stunned. If we did an MVT on this show, that would be my MVT because that everything in New Orleans, like the the little restaurant bar that they go to where all the paths kind of intersect. Uh, Nicholas Holt is great in this. He's very adorable, just kind of like Brendan Scott Thomas is. They get some of the best moments. And I'm not going to say I did not have fun at times with this, but there was a lot of this that dragged for me. And anytime the drug subplot Mm. had to come in, I just found the pacing really slowed down. And I... for me, I just didn't find the humor in that or most of the cop stuff to work. Um, and I like broad humor. Again, that Scott joke 
they kept coming back to it. I laughed every time. Yeah. Maybe because I'm not a big ska guy, but I kind of like a few of the bands. So just sure. Sure. And, and I get why. And I just I thought it was very funny, especially when they were arguing. Yo, it's like yes and mustard plug. Oh, I fucking hate that oh shit. My oh my god, that had me howling. And I just <laughs> I wish that maybe the, I think would have made this work for me is if that drug and the cop stuff would have just landed better. Because I get why it's here. I think you kind of need it. Um, maybe you could have done something else, but I just, I, I, it just really fell flat for me. And honestly, even though some of the action is great, that finale, even though it has some good moments in it, I feel got shortchanged the most because when they had to bring Dracula into everything with the drug subplot, it just got a little bit too jumbled and it kind of fell a little bit flat for me. Um, I, I do think that this might grow on me because now that I know that the drug subplot's there, I might be more receptive to it on a rewatch. But initially, like we talked last week, Super Mario Brothers movie is only what 83 minutes at that, maybe 10 minutes shorter than this. I mean, that thing has a pace of the opposite. It's way too fast at times, but that thing moves so quick. And here, I don't want to say it's too long, but like if I would have came out and you would have told me it was an hour and 50. I think I would have believed you because I feel <laughs> the moments where it has to slow down just a little bit to do exposition and throw in all the subplots really just grinds us to a hold at times. And I unfortunately didn't have as much fun as I expected, even though there were moments in this did that did make me laugh quite a bit. Right. Interesting. Justin, it's funny you mentioned concept because this did bring me back to thinking about how like in the 80s and 90s, they would label films as like a concept film. Uh, so, for example, like off the top of my head, there was a horror film, a horror drama movie called Mary Riley. And that was set from the point of view of Dr. Jekyll's maid. Uh, that starred Julia Roberts. It's actually one of my favorite movies, and no one has seen it. Um, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> when you think of concept, what usually ended up happening in practice is that there is only about an hour's worth of movie to a concept. And then, it, and then whatever the project is wears itself out. So, for example, 24 on TV, um, that obviously worked surprisingly well, but then there was a found footage series called The River from Oren Pelly that did not work out well because it oh. basically sold itself out in four episodes, right? And it's like, yep. how are you going to keep a whole season going? So this movie is absolutely like that, the concept film. And the other thing that I liken this to is like a film like The Night at the Roxbury, where you take an SNL skit and you blow it up into a 90-minute movie. Mm. Um, and I think... Maybe Justin, where you're, where you had this feeling about it, I had the same feeling about it. They gave away the concept in the trailer. I think if they had been a little smarter, because once you know the concept of it from the trailer, it definitely wears itself, it wears its welcome out very, very quickly. And then all of this action stuff comes in and the drug subplot, and then you're kind of like, what are we watching here? To the point where when they start to return to this Renfield trying to escape this abusive and toxic relationship and Cage is, you know, Dracula is actually gaslighting him, which is what's <laughs> fantastic about that scene is that, you know, in that hotel room, you know, he's essentially gaslighting Renfield and being like, you know what, you need me and you're the one who's at fault. You're the monster, not me, which I think that scene is comic gold, but 
Essentially, I think that this concept, there's about 45 minutes of movie, which is why they shoehorn in, mm-hmm. shoehorn in the subplot of the drug, the drug thing, because they're also doing parallel storytelling with the Aquafina character. And then naturally, you know, they, they have an interest in each other, I guess, in helping each other progress um, from these toxic relationships or the shadow of her father and trying to have her own identity and her family. Um, at the end of this film, Randy turned to me and he was like, did that just feel really uneven? And I, I, I think those two things, the concept wearing itself out and being uneven are exactly what I felt about this. As great as it looks, as mind-blowing as some of the production design and the photography is, it looks very comic booky. There are primary colors smashed in in every scene. It's it's a beautiful-looking movie. And of course, I was going to say that because it's Mitch Amundsen, right? Um, but... It, it just, it felt like two different movies. It was completely uneven. Uh, and so for, for me, unfortunately, it also was a disappointment because they gave everything away in the trailer. And I'm, uh, and this is why I try to avoid those trailers because I feel like I've already seen Evil Dead Rise before it comes out because that damn trailer has been played all the time, you know, and I'm held captive and watching that trailer. But but more to the point with this, yeah, it's a quick 90 minutes, but at the same time, I think there's only 40 minutes of movie there. Um, and so it felt a lot like From Dust Till Dawn, right? It goes from a, like in that movie, it went from a crime drama to suddenly this like gory horror film. And this one, they vacillate back and forth between the two of them. And, and I think that's the the problem because right when you yeah. brought from dust till dawn up, I'm like that makes sense. But then I'm like, yeah, but th- that just does a flip. And I think that's why that one worked because it just yes. flips you on your head as opposed to this one going back and forth. It was and it was too much back and forth, almost to the point where there there were so the dynamic between Renfield and Dracula. I think they explore it, but then the action takes place or takes precedence over that, and yeah. then. Renfield's, you know, sort of transformation and, and uh, you know, moving on from this, that, and then meeting Aquafina, that also gets downplayed for spectacle and production design and horror stuff. Um, now, I say all of this, and unfortunately, you know, it is, for me, this is a skip. Um, I say all of this, but I was wildly entertained watching this entire thing. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Visually, even some of the jokes. I mean, I, I, you know, Sammy, just just like you, I think that our group. So I saw it with Scooter, Randy, and Sophocles. I mean, we just had a blast with this, you know. But yeah. then I, I kind of was like, eh, but the execution, unfortunately, and the uneven unevenness of this. Because if you separate those two out, they would each be independent, great f- shorts or films, I guess. If you just if you did just the crime supernatural element and then just the uh, genesis of the project, which is him escaping the toxic relationship, but the two of them together just kind of don't work. And Justin, I felt the same way. I think if I revisit this a month from now, when it or or two weeks from now when it hits uh, VOD <laughs> or goes streaming on Peacock, I may watch it again and actually fall in love with it. But it just it didn't work for me. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think what's interesting when you're bringing it up is I, I think my issue is definitely the unevenness. But if I would have at least laughed a bit more and wasn't as tired 
from the drug stuff and thought they had a little bit more inventiveness, I would probably come on and say, yeah, it's uneven, but I'm going to give it a watch because, hey, it entertained me throughout. My problem is it's just so many of the other subplot didn't work. And I, as a big, big Aquafina fan, I was d- disappointed because I'm like, how, how do we have Aquafina? And she sometimes is making me laugh because she's always funny, but you know, how are you making me kind of upset that she's in this movie and thinking somebody else should have been in the role? Um, yeah, the shtick got so, old. Yeah, I think that was just, I think the direction is good in spots. I think, especially with the action and some of in some of the, the stuff with Cage and Renfield. But I do feel like where it came to balancing out some of the other performances or knowing when to pull back with a shtick or maybe knowing if they should have went even harder with it. Maybe that was the problem. It's kind of just strangely you calling this night of the Roxbury somehow makes sense. I don't know why, but like, that's a really good example of like stretching something out way too thin because honestly, folks, that's another movie that I kind of go back to because there are moments in that movie that make (laughs) me laugh quite a bit. But even when I saw it as a kid on like cable, even I was like, this doesn't work at 90 minutes like a Wayne's world did because they didn't build upon the idea and give them an actual like, adventure to go on they were just like well here's the skit kind of dragged out a little bit longer so it's it is a soft skip for me and i'm gonna say soft because i did have fun with this in quite a few spots and i'm hoping that i will not be as much of a curmudgeon with it as time goes on and i'll be more receptive but yeah it's it doesn't quite come together but god man nicholas cage is greatness man nicholas k and nicholas and uh, nicholas holt the nicholas is a greatness but cage i, I want to just say Nick this squared before we yes before we go on because I, I will sometimes see people uh pig is a great example because there is a kid nicholas cage can be a good actor when he actually acts okay when he's doing crazy stuff like this or all those videos he's still acting and i will yeah. always use this defense of you need to know how to choose scenery kenneth brana is a very respected actor i like him he can't choose scenery go watch wild wild west he's terrible at it yep. nicholas cage could have pulled that okay, off. i love that movie well, I'm not. Well, I'm not a big fan of the movie, but uh, I have softened on it. But I think, regardless, everyone else kind of at least does well. I, I, Kenneth Branagh went too over the top and didn't know how to choose scenery. Nicolas Cage has it down to a science. He knows how to do it and when to do it. Willie's Wonderland, another one I was not a big fan of. He's great in it because you expect him to go over the top. And while he has those moments, so much of the humor that he does that works in that is making you think he's going to do it, and then he pulls back. Yeah. And it yeah. Is so. He's a lot like Christopher Walken, which is funny because you bring up the country bears and he's in that. Yeah. And you think that he's going to give that weird Christopher Walken performance. And instead, he gives the most straight laced performance you'll ever see from him, which honestly is the only thing that works in the movie because it's kind of funny having this ridiculous concept of these like country bears and like they're famous musicians and everyone just treats it as normal. And then you have Walken who just treats it as if they're human beings. Uh, yeah. But he's very much like that. And it's why I love Nicolas Cage. I think he can go between the both perfectly. I think he knows exactly what he's doing every single time. I always want to see a Nicolas Cage movie, even if I don't get to all of them, because he's done so many <laughs> recently, go mm-hmm. straight to video. But I guarantee you, even if those straight to video movies, if they are forgettable or aren't good or aren't inspired, he's inspired in them. I don't have to see them to know that he is going to give 110% in those movies because that's the only way that he knows how to act. Yeah. Yeah. There's a guarantee that in any film he does, there's a Nick Cage moment. And they're, 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 those moments are in here. 
there's a little moment where he's talking to Drek and he's like, who? <laughs> yes, I like, love that. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you know that that was not in the script. And, you know, and you just know that there's just these little moments that he does stuff like that. And it's just, it's amazing that he yeah. pulls it off. And he you're pops. right. Big, big acting is as important as subtle or what folks would call great acting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's all in a matter of uh, how you look at it, but uh, not every actor can do big acting and not every actor can do subtle acting. It's just, that's just the reality of it. Nick Cage can do it all. Yeah. He can do both can. and anything. And it's, it's incredible. Like you can, I brought up matchstick men because that's another one. When I watched that, a friend was like, yeah, hey, I heard that's one of the movies. He's actually good. And I'm like, Oh, he's good in a lot of things. But the fact that he's quote unquote good in this should show you why he's a great actor that he can go between both with such relative ease. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, Justin, you said it's a soft skip. It's a soft skip for me, too. Sammy, your verdict? Uh, to me, it's a watch. I don't know if it's a hard watch, but it's a watch. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll, let's segue to spoilers since we've already kind of, yeah, you know, crept in or, or you know, nosferatu into that sort of zone. <laughs> but <laughs> So if you have not seen Renfield, directed by Chris McKay, starring Nick Nicholas squared, you're going to want to turn us off because we're, I'm going to spoil this in about, we're going to spoil this in about three, two, one. If you had told me that human arm nunchucks would have been <laughs> on the menu, um, I would have been very surprised. But yeah, the the gore from this was surprising, I guess, although I shouldn't be surprised. But um I mean, I was loving the action choreography. I thought that, you know, Chris Brewster does a brilliant job with those fight scenes. They're so kinetic. They just don't feel right in this movie for some reason, you know? And it's it's a shame because that scene at the, like, the hotel apartment complex. Oh, yeah. That is tremendously put together. That was so yeah. much fun to watch. In another, I think in another supernatural tinged film that, that would absolutely work, it just feels so weird to be in this in the, in this movie and you know back to uh sammy's point about um or maybe it was justin's point about no no it was sammy's point about ben schwartz about how he's just like kind of annoying like i find ben schwartz to be incredibly gorgeous so yes he can do whatever very. the hell he he can do whatever the hell he wants on screen and i'm fine with it but um they almost throw out as an afterthought that to get back at Renfield, Dracula is sort of like, well, I'm going to one-up you. I have a new assistant, so fuck you. And I feel like that just gets thrown in there, if only for the purpose of having the two of them fight. you know. Mm-hmm. But they could have really mined the dramatic aspect of that core theme of, I want to escape this relationship, but how would he feel? Would he really feel jealous if he moved on to somebody else? What would that be like? And they don't really play that off except to have them fight in yeah, this like, that's, monumental whatever and it's 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 an oversight but again i think that there was they were shooting for entertainment at this level and i think i wanted it to be a little higher and it wasn't so yeah. and you know that's exactly what i was hinting at why i felt that even though there's some good choreography and fun moments in that finale it the two didn't intersect well because once they introduced that idea, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. That's unique. This idea that he's going to give the powers of somebody else and they're going to fight. But then it just one, it just kind of felt like a 
pretty generic fight for the most part. Um, I think yeah. what was more surprising to me is he gives it not just to Schwartz's character, but some of the other guards. But those other guards get dispatched as if they're just like regular guys. So I don't know why we had to throw that in to begin with. and just yeah. made sense just to be Ben Schwartz. Um, it was okay, but it's just both Dracula and then also, uh, even though I liked her in the show up, she has the most thankless role as the 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 mother patriarch of this whole family because she's kind of just an afterthought for the majority of this. There's most yeah. of the jokes with her are be- she doesn't need to be there. It's just the fact that she exists. The fact that the joke is that Ben Schwartz is a mama's boy who's being held together. So you could have had anyone in that. And I think it was kind of a an unfortunate waste of her that it she kind of has this thankless role. Um, where and I think if this would have. If it would have been its own separate movie, maybe she should have been in Mafia Mama, you know, because yeah. to let you guys know, I did let Jose pick this week. Uh, I said, hey, since I picked Super Mario Brothers and I just said, you know, Renfield or Pope's Exorcist, because I knew you were interested in both. I didn't even think about Mafia Mama. Uh, but your reasoning was because I find it funny that Renfield was going to have more attention. And now it looks like maybe not. Maybe <laughs> you know? not. But maybe, uh, maybe but yeah, so Pope. So uh, Sharia Dajlu's character, you're right, is wasted. But they also just like this tantalizing dramatic thematic idea of of Renfield being replaced they sort of teased maybe Bride of Dracula if there's a sequel because she almost has this thing like well maybe he can be my husband and we can rule the world and I can be the crime queen and he can be the supernatural king but they don't do anything with that and Mm so again not to be like this is what they should have done but they even hinted at that, and that's a that's kind of a great idea. Just like you know, is he going to be jealous if he if he gets replaced? Um, they could Sammy, still do. Th- they're not going to do a sequel, I don't think, because this isn't making that much money. But if they wanted well, to, we'll like, to see. I mean, maybe a maybe a Netflix yeah, show or something. But, you know, but though it yeah, though, though it's interesting because now we live in a world where it's like I don't know if streaming like i know for a fact matt damon has said like you don't make as much on streaming as you did on video and that could save movies like this video and all of that so i don't know if something like a streaming could save this but i mean they they open that up they make the joke about like well he's not completely defeated but he should be gone for a long time we hope so they could easily do like five years later it's not that long and they come back there but yeah i mean even the stuff with aquafina i felt Outside of the joke with her trying to close the uh, open the blinds and it doesn't go well, she kind of yeah. just felt kind of shoehorned in. So, but let's yeah. go over to Sammy. I keep interrupting you. Well, trying no, to say Sammy, yeah, Sammy, I was going to say, um, you said there was an homage in the final. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the fight scenes, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I like the fight scene between Ben Schwartz and them, and I, I, I agree. I don't. It doesn't really make sense. I mean, you could we could sit here and we could pontificate and and evaluate and do all those other fancy eights and uh, <laughs> and say Hateful that you eights. know maybe the the insane amount of narcissism is the reason why he creates all these familiars but i don't think that's the case i just think they added that to it to give you a crazy fight scene but the homage that i see in there and it has to be is the the cut to the uh the the x-ray which is straight out of street fighter uh ah. some film and uh, I love that. I love that to death. And I also love that when Ben Schwartz uh, dies, he explodes not only from his mouth, but from his ass in, too, which is what would happen if you were crushed internally, probably. <laughs> yes, that, that, <laughs> that was, was pretty really good awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't just, think I've ever seen you, that before. Yeah. No. Exploding but, from both ends. <laughs> I mean, all of, yeah, ex- uh, I, I, I've been there. 
<laughs> had days like that. Ooh, not good days. But no, the I, I enjoyed all that stuff, though. I mean, I think that, you know, don't get me wrong. The movie is uneven. That is a great way to put it. But I think it, it to me, it kind of knows it is. It just like Bullet Train did. It, it These movies, and I think for lack of a better word, the Deadpool is the same way. These, these movies mm-hmm. are way over the top. Some stuff hits, some stuff misses. But there's enough charming moments in this for me, such as, for example, one we haven't talked about where Nicholas Holt stomps on a character uh, and he's coming down. He's It's in slow motion and he waves and smiles at Aquafina. <laughs> yes. And then when he hits the ground, blood goes everywhere. But, of course, he gets no blood on him. Uh, it's... It's this these little moments that they do that I really enjoy. The the bloody arm nunchucks is great. The uh, there's a lot of exploding heads in this. Uh, yes, <laughs> a great, great moment with a really strange like mid level video game boss uh, with like uh, that one uh, assassin who shows up who speaks really. Oh, I gotta get you. You know, I can't remember what they called him. They called him something. Yeah, and <laughs> and they punch his head off and it sticks to the door. I mean, oh my god, just the grotesqueness <laughs> of the movie. This was enough for me to kind of get me through it. I do not disagree that you guys are right when it comes to there is too much drug subplot. Matter of fact, there's so much drug subplot that just like the bags of drugs, they mean nothing. They're just flying around. The only time the drugs mean anything is when it hits the one overweight cop in the face. Yes, I love that. (laughs) Which is the only payoff of the drugs altogether. There's no other reason to have it in there other than to give us bad guys we just don't like and at this point i feel like audiences are sophisticated enough that why can't bad people just be bad people they don't have to have drugs they don't have to have human trafficking and everything else what if they just what if they just paid the cops right right. what they're doing this what if they just did that what if they just ran the local government i mean what actually so so it it does turn out all the cops were with them so yeah yeah Yeah. which, which um yeah, it. I mean, kind of it, choreograph a, a turn in the in the movie, right? There's kind of a choreographed moment, I think, with the one cop, and yeah, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. all that com- I, I love all the little comic beats. I love the handcuff thing where he he can clearly take the handcuffs off. He makes her breakfast, and he's like, oh, "I'll just go ahead and put it back on and stuff," so she's comfortable and stuff. It's just, I mean, there's even a montage. There's a montage when he's like, I'm going to buy new clothes, like the Pretty Woman montage, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. I, I, yeah, it was. So I, even I, 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 from her about his uh, sweater. She's like, no. Yeah, I was just about to say, I did like the sweater. The sweater was a nice touch. <laughs> so for me, all of that stuff kind of works. And yeah, it is uneven. but And it's not, again, it's not a masterpiece. But I just fall on the side of, because Dick Cage is so good. I mean, again, I'll, I'll bring this up. The great payoff of, Congratulations, you've shot me in the foot. Yes. <laughs> that is like such a dumb joke. And I laughed audibly in the theater. I thought it was hilarious. Um, because it was it was just such an obvious, simple joke. And yeah. uh, it just made me laugh. And uh, I don't even know I don't even know that she knew Aquafina knew that Dracula's blood could cure. I don't even know if they ever established that she knew that. No, they That's didn't. Why she shot but, him in the foot, but Yeah. You know, yeah. it is what it is. It falls on Nicholas Holt's character and stuff. And I agree. I've talked a lot about Nicholas Cage and how great he is in the movie. But Nicholas Holt is really good in the film. He plays this kind of naive, innocent, um, I don't know what the word would be, but just this kind of, you know, scared uh, character, kind of a different take on the Renfield character in some ways, but also similar. Well, the Renfield yeah 
character is there, but I mean, obviously, the, this is a different Renfield than we've ever seen. This one's a mm. an action hero. He can kill you with a fork. But there is, you know, there is this these, these moments in this film where, like, I could tell Landon was like, you know, there's no way. It's kind of like Scream 6 what he was talking about. There's no way people bleed this much mm. and can still yeah. walk around. At one point, well, Ben also, Schwartz gets stabbed in the neck with a pin, and he bleeds about 16 gallons of blood, but then he's just still running around shooting people. And this is before right. he becomes superpowered. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, let's talk about that opening, which I loved, where they superimposed their faces onto the, the old-school uh, Universal Dracula film. Like, mm-hmm. I got a huge kick out of that. I thought that was yeah. wonderful. It was really um, good. And I thought it was a great way to sort of, you know, bring audiences through that lens and then pop it into modern. Like, I just, I thought that was great. And by the way, um, I don't know if you saw this because, you know, we stuck around because thought maybe there'd be like a tag. There is no post, there is no mid or post credits tag people. But if you look closely, there was some sort of musical number because in the background, uh, Nick Holt is dancing and there's even credited like there's there were credited people like maggot dancers and zombie dancers. So there was a there was a musical number that I think got cut from the film. And I was praying that at the end of the film, we would see that because it looks fantastic from the stills that were running over the end credits. Um, maybe we'll get that in the in the director's cut. But, you know, I have to tell you that if they did add a musical number, I I don't know. I probably would have walked out. I don't know. It would just have felt even I, more jarring than everything else, right? Well, so I get. It, it feels like that kind of movie. It feels like yeah. that kind of movie where they shot a whole bunch of stuff and they put it all together, and this is what they came up with. Now that's not unusual in Hollywood or anywhere yeah, else course. that makes movies. But I can yeah. see where they would probably think that, hey, why don't we throw a musical number in here? You know, and and then they were, yeah. like, put it together, and they were like, ugh. It's awesome, but the number goes. (laughs) I was going to say, I get why they probably would have cut that because, I mean, I'm already complaining about it being uneven, but that might, I mean, have salvaged it for me because at least that would have been a bit more energetic because there is some good energy throughout this, but I think it kind of gets suffocated a bit Uh, because, I mean, like Sammy said, sometimes it's just a matter of if it makes you laugh or not. I think if this would have just made me laugh a bit more. Uh, I would have been like, yeah, here's the criticisms, but I'm, I don't think about that stuff as much if you're entertaining me. And well, when you know, a lot of spots where it's just moving slow, then my mind wanders and starts to think about that. And I'm like, ah, so, you know, as Landon would say, I got to stop critiquing, you yeah, know, but sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> you it's hard not to. <laughs> I mean, the movie is so self-aware, too, that, you know, yeah. I mean, again, like Jose said, I mean, the so it opens, you got uh, narrative coming from the central character, which always makes the movie self-aware right from the get go. And then, I mean, even Goodfellas is a self-aware movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Universal Studio stuff, they owe the classic Dracula stuff. Once I saw that, well, first of all, once they freeze-framed on a ridiculous Nicolas Cage freeze-frame, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be that kind of movie. I mean, I knew immediately what kind of movie it was going to be from that point forward. Now, I didn't know the fight scenes would be as well shot as they were. <laughs> Yes, but I knew from that point on that the movie was going to be completely over the top. So maybe, it, maybe for me, like maybe I just think too seriously about stuff. But you know, you're right, Sammy. Like I should have picked up from that beginning that th- it's going to be this kind of movie, right? 
Um, and that's why I say that even maybe even if they had added the dance number, that might have been the signal to me like, okay, I mean, I'm not supposed to be taking this seriously. It would like, it would all depend on with, with dance sequences. It would all depend on, you know, the quality of the song they're dancing to. Would they choose a pop song? What would they do? Right. I mean, yeah. right. and it was it a funny one, too, because I think that's that's the other well, my issue is just I got to say maggot dancers. That makes me think I, it would be. I, I, I want to see that dancing. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Me too. You know what? I think, and I think the perfect place to put it is when he goes right before that montage where he starts shopping for like new clothes. I think uh-huh. that would have been the perfect place to insert it. Like I'm free and I'm, you know, and yeah. then doing all this stuff. Yeah, I think it would. Well, have the Renfield character is fascinating anyway because they don't really talk about this in the history of Dracula, but the Renfield. Well, they do a little bit in some of the Dracula films, but. You know, this is a character that wants to be, wants yes. the Dracula power, only gets so much of it. So he's always a ne'er-do-well, always a wannabe. Right. And in saying that, he's kind of internal. So he always kind of lives inside his own head. So I think they did a really good job here of kind of mixing those fantasy elements for the Nicholas Holt character where he kind of lives in his head. He kind of thinks out scenarios before he goes through them and stuff. He's very lonely. And they kind of have some fun with that. I don't think they handled it perfectly, but they could have. There's some stuff they could have done there. So maybe the dance sequence would have been something like that. Because yeah, he has the Spanish sequence with the Aquafina character, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, maybe this is where I also play the Troy. And I just think to myself, so. I'm curious said- what Troy thought. Did you? So Troy's not going to talk about this on their show. You saw no. Troy, and he saw it. Did he tell you what he thought? Because he hasn't told me. Uh, I think he said that he and Cameron just had a blast watching it and laughed their yeah, ass so, off, pretty much. Yeah. So that's that was me and Landon. We had we just laughed our asses off. Yeah. It. But I was. Um, but I'm going to play the Troy here, and I'm going to say, how does Renfield, being centuries old and eating bugs and getting Dracula's power, equate to John Wick superpowers? Like. <laughs> Did they yeah. did they teach oh, him Kung Fu in the UK? Was that part of his lawyer training that, before he went is, over to that Transylvania? Is strictly, that is strictly a modern movie moment it mixed yeah. into right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I could I could wave hand hand wave this. Uh, you know, he's been centuries old. He, he's gonna get bored eventually. I, he, he probably would try to learn all of these things. You know, that's probably <laughs> why he had a dance number. If yeah. I was centuries old, I think hopefully after a while I'd probably start picking up on a few things too. Yes. I mean, you'd have to learn how to fight if you're gonna wear that sweater. Yeah, yes, that's true. Hey, I have a sweat. Anyway, I have a sweat. Like Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Thunderdome I've, red. Thunderdome. I've definitely, Shit. I've definitely owned a sweater like that. There's no doubt. But <laughs> the 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 truth is, is that that is just strictly movie marketing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all that is. It's Chris McKay saying, "Hey, I want to make an action movie. Let's do it like John Wick," which I have Let's never seen. It I've never seen a John Wick film, so I only know what I know from (laughs) previews and all that stuff. Um, But I have enough reference to know what I'm... I mean, I have enough knowledge of film and the modern action market to know what I'm going to see when I see those films. I love how you've seen more John Wick-inspired movies than actual John Wick Wick movies. I love that. That's always... So that's always a thing with me, and that kind of comes from my love of Italian cinema, which is I almost always value the (laughs) ripoffs more than I value (laughs) the original thing. (laughs) Oh, actually, um, thank thank you for mentioning that, because... Although The Pope's Exorcist is definitely not a comedy, and it, there's definitely no kung fu in that, okay? Damn. Um, uh, 
it reminds skip, me of skip. <laughs> yeah, I changed my mind. I'm not going to see this. Veto. The, Pope, the Pope's exorcist doesn't do Kung Fu. Veto. Right. <laughs> Veto, Jose. Um, Veto cupcake. But um, it, there are Italian horror elements that are absolutely plugged into the Pope's exorcist. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you reference that stuff, but, but back to Renfield and the martial arts, I mean, I suppose it was done to like, obviously modernize it and punch it up. But it was almost like when I f- saw the first Charlie's Angels with Drew Barrymore and they bust out the Hong Kong style Kung Fu. I mean, it just elevated the movie. It was kind of like, what am I watching? This is fantastic. Right. It, but yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's almost like a non sequitur. It comes out of nowhere. Right. We wouldn't expect Renfield to be John Wick. <laughs> but, and so I guess in that aspect, it works. Yeah. It is very similar to that Charlie, that, that McGee Charlie's Angels film. Yeah. It has that energy. It has that. It has that energy. It really colors the pop culture. It also has a cult actor who is actually the cult actor's best friend in this cult actor in real life, and they Uh, make him. Oh yes, Crispin Glover is. You know him and Nick Cage are best friends. Yes, yeah, they are. Which makes sense, actually. It absolutely makes makes sense. (laughs) So, so it it, it's interesting that there's kind of that thing. I mean, I can almost see them two calling each other like, "Hey, hey, Crispin." uh, I'm thinking about doing this uh this movie, this Dracula, you know, and then uh, Chris McGlover like, yeah, man, you know, it, that would be like I would love to hear that conversation. I'm thinking of eating a cockroach. I, yeah. Those two need a podcast together because I would oh love the Cajun Crispin Glover podcast. Oh and if they need somebody to, I guess, rein them in, so to speak, uh, Elijah Wood seems like he might be the good one because he yeah, and be Nicholas Cage have kind of become friends off of like the trust. Yeah, which I still haven't seen, but I, I think I own that one. Hold up. That's, I would love to I'll be in a later. room. <laughs> would love to be in a room with Nick Cage and Crispin Glover hanging out. And oh, see what that, I already have what the title of the podcast: Cajun Crispin. No, Crispin Cajun. Cajun. Sorry, Crispin Ooh. Cajun. Cajun. <laughs> I love Cajun Crispy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any, any. Oh, and if Aqua, first of all, Aquafina's posture makes me crazy right <laughs> so she's doing this action scene and everything like that and then when she walks she walks hunched over like she's some like i don't uh, i was maybe, about to say quasimodo but like her posture is terrible maybe oh, yeah. that was a joke that got cut from the film because we're doing old school <laughs> like references maybe they made a running gag about her having a bad back so she was like quasimodo because you know you already maybe. have the other universal monster references maybe but the other the other thing too that drove me crazy was she kept doing the okay sign with mm-hmm. both of her hands and she did it constantly in the movie while she was talking the okay signs going up or whatever mm-hmm. like i was like if she does it one more time i'm gonna smack her yeah i i, I i've been very lax on aquafina on this because i love her so i'm trying not to be critical of her but yeah it's I, this was one where i'm like all right maybe we need to get more farewells from her instead of just taking the aquafina role and making her just do it to the max i mean her role in Crazy Rich Asians, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Her role in Jumanji, really good, somewhat restrained. But I can see where her shtick would, would kind of wear people out. But yeah. yeah. And I will give Ben Schwartz this because there's another actor that I think would get cast in these kind of roles who I don't hate, but he's just there. And that's, uh, I think his name's Jake Johnson. He was in that mummy movie with yes. Tom Cruise. I will take Ben Schwartz ever. Jake Johnson, because Ben Schwartz, at least I can nothing against Jake Johnson, but he's one of those people which just like, does he just get these roles because he knows somebody like I don't or is he talented but doesn't get to show it as much because I can at least see the talent in Ben Schwartz because of that 
because he can be so over the top. Sometimes it could be a bad thing, but I can get that, especially voice wise. So I'll take yeah. a Ben Schwartz over Jake Johnson. I'll tell you what, there's there's this weird thing going on right there. I'm just thinking about that. Jake Johnson, Ben Schwartz, and that guy that plays Steve on Stranger Things. Mm. Do these guys all have the same dad? <laughs> well, I'm going to throw in Charlie Day in there, too. I mean, they all like yeah, Charlie, Charlie Day and Jake Johnson. Uh, to me are like almost you could recast their roles as each other and it would still work out i actually disagree because i think charlie day is so loud and over the top that he has much more personality than jake johnson i see what you're saying role wise but again i can understand like i get with a ben schwartz why charlie day because charlie day also has a very unique voice that jake johnson doesn't have the same goes with ben schwartz maybe that's the problem jake johnson just has a very generic voice on top of just being a very generic person nothing against him maybe not be maybe there's other stuff that he's more clever in and he just kind of got these roles and I mean, good on you for, you know, making the money then, but I just, I don't see it. Whenever I see Jake Johnson, I'm just like, you're just there. Uh, any, any other thoughts about this? I mean, like I said, it was, uh, I, I don't know how I, how I go from, I had such a blast watching it, but it has problems, but here I am. I'm critiking. What can I do? Yeah. I, so I, I can see. Look, I, I, I have no issue with you guys and the way you guys are coming across with it. None. Because it is that uneven of a film. For every one person that's going to love it, I guarantee you the other person is going to dislike it. It's that kind of movie. It's mm-hmm. a 50, yeah. 50, I call these movies 50-50 movies. You just never know where people are going to land on it. Typically, I land on the opposite side, on the side you guys are on which is where I kind of landed with Bullet Train. I liked it, did not love it. I know you guys kind of felt the same way. I think Justin mm-hmm. may have liked it more. I can't remember. Yeah, a bit more, but yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, these movies are 50-50 movies. I mean, they're just like, eh, yeah. it was good. But as, but- a, as a cinnamon, um, you would think that I would have gone for this because like, you know, as Justin likes to say, Morbius and Electra are some of my favorite <laughs> films. And yet this gets a soft skip, so. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> If this movie had more of a negative reception, maybe you would have liked it more. I think sometimes, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, I think sometimes you like to champion the underdogs, which I like about you. Me? So Me? I mean, <laughs> Certainly. Well, in this case, Jose, but, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but I even, but but even I Sammy, too. yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, but it's it's perfect that you bring that up because you're saying normally these kind of movies, you land on the soft skip side. I usually do land on the soft watch, and there were moments here where I did, but it's just... Again, it just really comes down to the fact that since the drug and cop stuff really didn't elicit any laughs from me that much, they dragged more than they should have. And had I laughed a bit more during those moments, uh, I probably would have been like uneven, but I'm going with the watch because I had fun. And unfortunately, well, I just. Mm. Yeah, I w- well, I was going to say normally something like this for me would be a hard watch. Go get it in your in your eyeballs. So Landon's absolutely convinced he hasn't listened to this yet, but he's absolutely convinced that Jose loved this. I'm not I I will say this coming out of the movie I thought and especially how you started talking too I was like Jose's gonna love this like I thought I was gonna be yeah as I as I felt on the uh the social media is the the curmudgeon because everyone else is like hey I really like this and I'm like I'm glad you did like I'm not being like facetious I'm really glad you did and I wish it worked more for me than it did um, I, I mean, this is definitely once this pops up on any streaming service or you can rent it or get it on blue I don't uh, even though I'm saying soft skip, I would still say give it a watch on that version. But yeah, uh, you know, any other hit thoughts? 
You guys? No, I mean, I, I don't know if you asked me or not if it's still a watch. I don't know if I ever said or not if it's still a watch or a skip, but it's definitely a, for me, it's a watch. Again, it's not, it's not a hard watch. It's not a, a floppy skip, a floppy watch. <laughs> <laughs> floppy skip, sloppy watch. <laughs> this movie's a little bit too a chaotic to ever be floppy. <laughs> We try yeah. to, you know, add adjectives to these watches and skips every time, and uh, you know, I, I don't know what. I, it's for me. This is this is a this is a flappy watch. So flappy, I'll say it's a flappy watch. Flappy. I like it. I like it. I like it. And I'm a I'm a soft skip. Justin, you are a soul soft skip. I, there are definite skip. moments Got of this it. at work, but. Um, speaking of comments that I can never live down. Uh, and this is the segue to Sammy and the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. One of the other comments that I have never been able to live down on social media was, uh, my comment was, Ed Begley Jr., get inside me. Um, <laughs> because I really do think Ed Begley, Begley Jr. is really uh. sexy. Um, but the reason why I say this is because I was listening to the Dunwich Horror episode and Ed Begley Sr. is in yeah. the 1970s Dunwich Horror, which was the subject of uh, a, pre- a previous episode or last week's episode, was it not? Yes. Yes. Okay. Your return. Uh, Sammy, turning it over to you, What uh, what is going on with The Gentleman's Guide and other posca- podcasting for you? Uh, this morning, well, I got, uh, I did King Kong lives with the not a bomb guys, which was an amazing experience to rewatch that film. Me and Troy watched that together and we were just, <laughs> we were, you know, I have to, I have to tell you listeners, please listen to that episode, not a bomb podcast, uh, King Kong lives. And even if you haven't seen the movie, the entire episode it's just going to give you WTFs all over because yeah. <laughs> it, not only is it funny, but you will, you will think to yourself, how did this get made? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, over and over again, you'll think that. And I'm still thinking that weeks removed. I somehow have not seen it yet. Uh, despite oh. the fact that it stars my, uh, you gotta see my, it. my potential wife, Linda Hamilton, my yeah, former yeah. flame. <laughs> yeah. You got to see that. You got to see it, but you must. Um, so I was over there doing that. Uh, and then this week, actually this morning, right before we recorded this, we recorded our newest episode, which is on Peter Strickland's flux gourmet. Oh, yes. So more Strickland talk, uh, clearly a, uh, divisive film filmmaker. If there ever was one very much. So, and uh, this film might be his most divisive in some ways. Uh, uh, we, we had a very interesting conversation this morning about that. And uh, it'll be out tomorrow. Well, as we're recording this, it'll be out on Monday. Uh, so you guys will probably have listened to this because we released before this show. But yes. yeah, check it out. Uh, we're having fun. We're doing you know Millionaire's Express uh, the next week. Sam oh, Hunger. that was a fun one. Yep. Nice. And if you if you all if listeners want to play along, if you have AMC Plus, Shutter, or Prime, Flux Gourmet is finally streaming on there. Although, good luck trying to find is it is it called In Fabric, which was streaming at one point on everything, and now you can't see it. Which is yeah, whatever. yeah, it was on Canopy for a little while. I know that, but I don't think it's on there anymore. I'd have to look. But Canopy is uh, tied to your local library and stuff, which is uh, it'll sometimes pop up on there. But so, I, I, yeah, I don't. It figures. I kept going. I'll watch in fabric eventually. Now it's not on any of the platforms. So I, I gotta know, go buy it. Right? Uh, and by the way, that's the, the well. If you know Peter Strickland, you know it's not for kids, but it's yeah. decidedly for adults. Yeah. Yes, decidedly for adults. <laughs> okay. And, and it's available on Shutter. If you got Shutter, uh, Flux yep. Gourmet's on there. Yep. 
So don't yeah. program that for the next movie night with the nephews. Got it. No, do not. <laughs> uh, don't do Super all, Mario Brothers and then Flux Gourmet. First of all, you'll have to explain things you don't want to explain to kids. And then second of all, you'll have to explain them to yourself because you won't understand what's going on half the time. You'll be like, oh my, what is what is he trying to say here? There was a Strickland movie that I had seen. Um, I think uh, Toby Jones was in it. But Barbarian I was so- Sound Studio. Yes, I was so oh, taken I love that by it. And I was just like, what is happening here? But you just I just really got the sense like I'm watching art and it's fantastic. Uh so I'm I'm very much looking forward to screening Flux Gourmet, which I have not gotten around to, but I will now. It has some uh, very strong similarities to Barbarian Sound Studio. Okay. That's already a win for me then, because I loved Barbar- Barbarian Sound Studio. Got it. Uh, okay. Well, listeners, if you saw Renfield and you think he who loves Electra is wrong about it, <laughs> or you would like to share your thoughts on the film or have any improvements for our podcast, please, you can reach out to us at watch at our email address, watch skip plus spell out all the words, no punctuation at gmail.com. You can also record an audio clip and send it to us or at our home site at anchor.fm backslash watch hyphen skip. There is a message me button, leave your thoughts as always, whatever pod weapon of choice you're listening to us on Apple, Spotify, God knows what else is out there. Um, Please leave us a review. We hope it'll be five stars, but even if it's not, that gets the word out about our podcast. And then obviously if there are some, if there is some criticking going on, we can certainly try to correct things. (laughs) If you love us, you will certainly love our pod fathers. We've already mentioned Sammy and his show who he co-hosts with Big Will Big Willie, uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, as well as Troy and Brad over at Not a Bomb. But we, if you love those and us, you will certainly love Death by DVD, which recently opened its Patreon. Across the pond, we have the Raiders of the Podcast, Backlook Cinema Podcast with Alonzo, VHS Files, which now has uh, YouTube uh, clips and video, so you can actually watch those guys joshing around and stuff. Haha, <laughs> one of the oh, hosts is named Josh. There you yeah, go. I got it. Yeah. Um, Love it. See what I did there? Silva and Gold, Cult of Muscle, Feminine Critique, Married with Clickers, and of course, our newest uh, brother podcast, Wild Dream Podcast, who also did uh, Dungeons and Dragons. They also, I was also going to sing Bring Me to Life because I think Daniel was singing it, but I won't destroy your ears by doing that. Um, Justin. <laughs> well, we know that Renfield is one of those 50-50 movies, but we hope you're never 50-50 on us. You're always 100. You never skip, and you remember that you are the plus. All mm, the police. Call the police. <laughs> that is still the... <laughs> <laughs> that one's going to be with us for a while. Oh my God. Yeah, that's yeah. What I call the police. That's how we're going to end our episodes now. Call the police. Oh, call the police. <laughs> <laughs> you have a little cinemascus, didn't you? No Jeez. twink bonds. A lot of sucking. It is a hoot and a half. It is so weird, and I don't know what its point is, but I love it. If you kill a child, I'm on board with your movie. Diamond Dallas Page, Self High Five is the real people's champion. Can I be your bratwurst? Please. Do you have a crush on him? That does not narrow it down. The answer is probably yes. I am obsessed with Schrader. I want that man to marry me. Show me that pale brown eye. (laughs) Bring me to your crypt, baby. 
is nice, nice derriere. He has a very sweet ass, very he cute butt. Does I want to see some dong? Not entirely successful. This is an excruciating experience. I understand that you are the. It's like a Tasmanian <laughs> devil. We hope that this is never a floppy list. That we get you hard, hard watch, soft skip. Watch skip. Watch. Skip.